This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I'm so excited about today's show because this is somebody that I admired from a distance for, shoot, a couple decades now at a minimum. And uh, to put it bluntly, he is the most successful man in the history of his craft. He's the most successful man in the history of sports radio. And he's done a whole lot more than that when it comes to television as well. Right now, the Jim Rome Show is hosted on the CBS Sports Radio Network. It's simulcast over to the CBS Sports Network. He also makes appearances on CBS for the NFL. And he's had a storied career in an area and an arena that I'm very, very fond of. And it's great to have him with me here today. So, Jim, thanks for being here. Ed, it's so good to see you. Boy, that is some kind of view, my man. That lives up to all the hype. That is a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful scene. Well done. Very blessed, for sure. And so have you been, by the way. Sure. I'm curious as we start, because, you know, most of my audience knows you for sure. And um, I've admired you for so long. And one of the things I admire about you is your humility for how successful you've become. But today... I want to give you permission to be, you can brag a little bit when it comes to the truth about your career. So I want to ask you, how did you get started? Because I know that you went to University of Santa Barbara because we were both in the Big West Conference. Right. But did you know way before you even got to Santa Barbara that this is what you wanted to do? You know, I would say this. My, my only advantage I think that I really had was I did know exactly what I wanted to do at an mm -hmm. early age. You know, unlike you, I, I mean, I had professional athletic aspirations, but I did figure out early on, this was not gonna happen for me. <laughs> you have to understand, I grew up in Los Angeles at a very different time when there was no internet and there was no cable, but I was obsessed with sports, man. I mm. loved it. I had my childhood heroes and I couldn't get enough. I mean, if my old man was not saying to me, get your ass out of the house, it's a beautiful day, I would have watched sports all day long mm. and read sports. But I did realize at a pretty early age that I could not hit a curveball. I was not <laughs> blessed with his great size and ability. Mm. So how do I stay in sports? And I just kind of got it in my head. Maybe I could be on the radio. Maybe if I got really lucky, I could be on TV. So I knew at an early age. And what that did for me, Ed, was I knew that the second I got to UC Santa Barbara, I checked into the dorm and I went right to the radio station mm -hmm. and I never left. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of locked in. So my one advantage was I knew when you're not supposed to know. Who knows when yeah. they enter college what they want to do? Did you know? Right. Well, you want to be a pro baseball player. And it didn't work, right? Yeah, you ended up doing what you wanted but, to do. But I think it's and like my son just started college. It's okay not to know when you yeah. start college, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I knew, and I was willing to lock in and start paying the price. So, yes, I knew. That's awesome. You So you get started. I was a radio TV broadcast major. Mm -hmm. I was a communication major. And one of the things that I, I tell all entrepreneurs is, I think especially in this day and age with the Internet, technology, everybody wants stuff to happen right now. Right. Like, hey man, I'm gonna give this a shot for six months. I'm gonna make a run at this, you know, until it hurts a little bit. One of the things I admired about you because you chose a craft that it does not happen quickly in. So what about like staying power? You get going, you leave Santa Barbara. It's not like the next year you're, you know, in San Diego, you know, becoming the Jim Rome that we know no. now. No, no, there's like there's lots of layers to that. It's a really interesting question. You know, like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Everybody's like, I'm gonna do this. Like when I was in Santa Barbara, we all thought we would go right to the top because you're in college and you're naive and you don't know how the world works just yet. So we all believe that until you actually get into it. And then all of a sudden you see what's going on around you. So when I was a young person in the business, I would apply myself, but then I see my other friends who are not in the business and they're going to law school or they got into marketing or they got into sales or they went to Wall Street and they're killing it. Yes. And all of a sudden now I'm still grinding in market 174, which is Santa Barbara, and I'm not making much money and all my buddies are just thriving and they're killing it. It's at that point that people start to say, it's a dream, it's a pipe dream, it's not meant to be, it's not for me, I'm gonna give in, and then people give in. So I would say this is a great story, I, I knew not to give in, but you know what, I did. 
Mm. I was one of the guys that gave in. So here's what happened. When I was in college, I had seven internships in three and a half years because I was obsessed. Man, I was like, I was terrified of falling behind and I was so committed, but then I had one bad experience. I got punched in the face once and did not react well to it. I worked for a radio station in Santa Barbara for free for nine months. Wow. A paid position opened up. The news director says to me, you're the guy. You've earned it, it's your time. I'm just getting you cut a demo tape, we play it for the owner, and then you're in. The owner hears it, he hates it. He goes, I'm not hiring that guy. And I'm like, wow. But I had a fallback plan. My parents owned a business. So I go to my old man, because I have visions of, there's the BMW, yeah. there's the house, there's the presidency. Yeah. So I go to my tough old man from Boston. I'm like, hey dad, listen, I wanna go to work for you. He goes, no, no. I'm like, dad, every old man wants their son to follow in their footsteps, their legacy. <laughs> He's like, not this one. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, what? And he says to me, you've never once displayed any interest in the family company. You don't come to me now, right now, and say you want to, no. He said, no. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what do I do? I wanna control my own fate, my own destiny, yeah. and then radio's not fair, life's not fair. Yeah. So I talked him into it, I wore him down. I, I, because I always had this kind of drive and passion. Mm -hmm. I wore him down, I worked on him for six months. Of course it was the wrong thing, for mm -hmm. the wrong reason, he fired me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to make this a super long story short. I've never possible, heard this before. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So he, and, and keep in mind, I grew up at a, at a dinner table every night where my parents owned a small business, they were manufacturers and they manufactured high-tech garments and they had a factory in Chatsworth. Really? And I heard every day at dinner, business is business, business is business. You take care of the business, the business will take care of you. So about six months in, he fires me nicely, but <laughs> business is business. He said, what are you gonna do now? I said, I'm gonna go get a sales job. He looks at me like I'm crazy. He's like, you suck at sales. I just <laughs> fired you. I'm like, no, I suck at selling your product. I will sell something else. I got a job working at Harris Lanier selling dictation equipment. Oh my God. And, and because when I went to a headhunter, they said, we're gonna send you out and here's the best one. Here's the one that everybody wants. I can always sell me, yeah, you're right. but nothing else. Right. So I got the job. I stayed there 38 days. I quit. They're furious. <laughs> and then I'm selling phone equipment. And it, it's going terrible, man. I'm getting <laughs> my face beat in. And finally, in a fit of just, like I'm near tears. Mm. I call my old boss where I had an internship in Santa Barbara, mm. and I said, my life, he's like, hey, Rome, what's going on? I'm like, nothing good, nothing good. He's like, what? I lay out my whole sales life, I'm a failure, I'm worth nothing. Do you have any radio work in Santa Barbara? He said, I got one thing, 30 hours, vacation relief, traffic reports, $5 an hour. Do you want it? I said, yes, yes. And I tell my old man, He's like, how are you gonna live? I said, I have no idea, but my life is going right down the gutter. I gotta get back up there. And oh so I committed to this. I had $5 an hour, 30 hours a week, for one month, no benefits. Because a kid was on vacation for Christmas. Oh and I said, I'll figure it out when I get up there. I just know that I'm not good at sales. Brother, I've I don't even know where that question started. Sorry about that. No, 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 I knew your whole story and I did not know that part of it. Yeah. Like, that's a huge thing. Like, I'm so grateful you said this, because. A lot of entrepreneurial types listen to this, right? And probably in your life, you know, you've pursued the business side, and maybe a lot of you listen to this right now, you've gone back to some goofy plan B that you know you don't belong at. You know it's not your calling, you know you're not great at it. It's like this place you're kind of hiding because this other thing's so painful. And it's really cool to know that, I mean, and you're humble about it, but someone who becomes the best of all time at what they do, this man's in the radio hall of fame, guys. I mean, legitimately, 
three decades plus on the air. I mean, the staying power has been unreal. To know that you went through this little stage where you were a little bit lost is nuts to me. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, what I was gonna say, the thing that I admire about you is that post that, it seems to me you made this decision like, okay, I went and played with this stuff I'm not any good at. And then there's becomes this part of you, I love what you talk about this, you're like, this is what I'm gonna do now. I'm gonna figure this shit out. And it's like a burn the boats type thing for you. You've almost got this theory about success that it doesn't always go to the, necessarily the most talented person with the most gifted person, but it goes to the who. No, and I've seen you talk about this as well, that it's not always the talent, but it's the grind, and it's yes. the effort, and it's the dedication, and I think that's where the separation is. And by the way, if you know that you're not the most talented guy, and you know that you're not the most brilliant person, what are you gonna do? Like, here's the one thing. The, the one thing that I had, aside from, I knew what I wanted to do at a pretty early age, yep. I knew the price that I was willing to negotiate with myself to get that done. Like that's the other sidebar. When I was in UC Santa Barbara, I thought nothing of getting up at 4.30 in the morning to go work an internship for free. When the other kids were saying, dude, I'm not gonna make that eight o'clock class. And I'm not saying I'm a hero for doing that. In fact, I'm kind of a loser for doing it because I was terrified of falling behind. I was afraid that somebody else would get that gig if I didn't do it. But because I knew what I wanted to do and because I negotiated that price with myself at an early age, I, it was nothing for me in fact, it felt good, man. I've heard you talk about this, like the dopamine that goes off in your head. It was a drug. Mm -hmm. It was an adrenaline thing. It was natural. Mm -hmm. I felt good. Mm -hmm. I was getting up early, going to work, getting the line on the resume. So I felt good. But at the same time, to your point, the reason I, I, I was self-aware and that the one other advantage I had, I did this, I did this math. When I got to UCSB, I thought to myself, why you? Why you? You were not a professional athlete. You don't have an amazing look. You don't have an amazing voice, yet you want to be on the radio. Yeah. Yet you want to be on TV. Exactly, what do you have to bring to it? Why you? And I couldn't answer the question at first. And I thought, man, if I don't come up with that answer, I'm not gonna make it. Mm -hmm. So why you? Why you? Why you? And what I finally came down to was this. It's gonna be me because I'm gonna come at it differently with a different slant. Rather than being the, the answer man on the radio, I'm gonna come at it with a declarative slant, a yes. point of view, a take. Have a take, don't suck. Yes. And then the other thing that I was gonna to bring to it, if I wasn't smarter and I wasn't better, I damn well were gonna want it, I was gonna want it worse than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I was not gonna give in. Mm. I was not going to give in. And I had learned my lesson by going into business and sales. Luckily, I got my face beat in. Yeah. So now I knew what it took. I'm like, this time, you don't punk out. You lock in, no matter, it's not up to you to know how long it's gonna take. You just put your head down and you go to war until you find out. I freaking love it. that was my it. thing. I freaking love it. And that's what you're, that's what I, people that I know that know you, that's what you're known for. This dude has a psycho work ethic. He's ferocious. I'm curious about the mechanism that drives you. Like that's loaded with stuff there for all of you trying to do something great. I want to, I'm curious, you said something like, almost like fear-based. Like, hey, I might miss this, or it may get past me, or I'm, that self-awareness piece is a monster. You and I both, most of the most successful people we know are very self-aware. Yeah. They know what they're good at, they know what they're not that's good it. at. That's it, that's you, it. You agree with that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I like, I, immediately in meeting you too, it's like, this, this is one of your great gifts. And I think it also gives you an element of humility too. Right. Like, I know what I'm not good at, so I'm gonna have to outwork somebody. But I'm curious what's made you, to this day, I don't know the answer, I'm curious. Do you have this little thing where you're afraid it may leave you? Is that a driving mechanism for you or is it always what you're trying to create? Which, which one it's, moves you It more? really is both those things. And I think one drives the other. And, mm -hmm. and understand this, I don't, 
yeah, I, I have this fear that they're going to come to me one day. Hey, listen, if they came to me today, if I walked outside your door mm. and somebody came to me and said, yo, old man, you've had a pretty good run. We really don't care. The last thing this world needs is a 50-something smack talker. <laughs> and to hit the bricks, a-hole, that, that I far exceeded anything that I ever thought right. that I would do, and it was right. a great run. Right. However, I don't want it to end, and not for the reasons you may think. Like, I'm not one of those guys like, I got to be on the radio. I got to be on TV. I got to... It's not about that ego. It's about the process. It's about wanting to be relevant. It's about me still wanting to be competitive. It's about me wanting to have another act. It's about me wanting to reinvent. It's about me wanting to have people look at me and my brand and say, damn, man, that guy's not looking for an off-ramp. That guy's not going away. That, I still care what that guy thinks. Mm. Because one day it will be over and it will be a great run. But man, I feel good and I'm still really motivated by the puzzle. Like the whole world has changed. It's not the way it was when I got in or when you were getting in. Yeah. So now it's up to me intellectually to figure it out again. Mm. And I want to be able to say, Hey man, I, I did not give in and the world changed and I changed with it and I'm still relevant. And that's important to me. Like right that still now, gets me out of bed. Like literally right now, as much as when you're that guy that got the $5 paid 30 day deal, like you think you want it that bad still yes, right now. And, yeah, yes. And, I, and I, I frequently, I don't keep notes, but I don't have to. I remember what my mindset was. It was a weird deal. You probably know this too. Like I could get into a flow state back then. Yeah. Like I knew. I knew I'd walk around campus and I could lose an hour at a time mm. because I was just so into this. This is what I need to do. This is what mm. I want. And if you think about it hard enough and you're vivid enough with your imagery and how badly you want it, you lose time, don't you? You do, brother. You get into a flow state. You do, 100%. And, and, and I knew it. And so now I'm trying to think back. Well, think, like any athlete, right? Mm. You, the guys always, they want to get back in the flow state. So when they have their best game ever, what did they do? They thought about what they did that morning. They thought about what music they listened to. They thought about their rituals. Yep. And I'm trying to think, man, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do you do have a big ritual you do? Would you have anything specific you do? You get up real early, don't you? Yeah, I drink coffee. That's my ritual. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I, I, I get up. I get up early, but not as early as I would like, and I fight that thing every single day. Mm. But but I try to be very ritualistic about it, man. Mm. Get up get going, get to work, lock in. And you know, like anybody else, like any entrepreneur watching, get yourself to do the things that you do not wanna do because that's also one of the separators between those who do and don't. Make yourself do the things you do not wanna do and do them consistently. Mm. <laughs> you guys see why I wanted them on? <laughs> you guys because are you know, it. I think because a lot of us read the same things, think about the same things. Like even before I got into this, yeah. I probably read a lot of the stuff that you read on the way up. Yeah. I would read, Zig Ziglar, Og Mandino, Tom Hopkins, Me too. Dale Carnegie, you know, like, yeah. and some of it resonated more than some of the other stuff, mm -hmm. but, I, but I read a lot of that stuff yeah, too. Yeah, I have this feeling, and you don't need to acknowledge it, I think that some of your brand is gonna end up in this area. I think that, here, here's what's rare about you, what, and it is, it's significantly different about you. One, you were born with some incredible giftedness to articulate thoughts, let's be real. I mean, you're given a great voice, you were given the ability to think and process information through your mouth at the speed of thought. That's a very rare thing. But you seem to be, I think a lot of people, success leaves clues. I think there are a lot of people, and you've met them too, I don't think they can explain to you why they're successful. A lot of people have arrived to success because they're not self-aware. They can't explain to you the steps. You're very unique in that you do know what the things were that made you who you are, and you can articulate them very well. I think you'd be shortchanging people by not doing more of this stuff. This is fun. Yeah, I mean, this is fun. You're I, I like this. I've always, I've always, I've always liked this. And again, I don't, 
I, I think about these things. I think the reason I can articulate it is because I've thought about it mm. long and hard because mm. of what you're talking about. I, I really, I'm not being cute when I say this. I, I really think that I'm, I'm pretty average in most things. So I wanted to figure out where I could be above average or way above average. And the only thing I kept coming back to was have a very different approach to the format as it exists. Yep. And if you're lucky, people will like it and then control what you can control, and that's your attitude, and your energy, and your grit, and your ability to deal with adversity and bounce back. Yeah, and you, you do something else. I've seen guys that outwork everybody the first year or two, or the third or fourth year, and then there's this point where like they're bought. We all know these. They just get bought with their success. Their price tag gets met, and then all of a sudden they don't show up like they used to. They don't. They don't innovate. They don't evolve. They don't think through. For most people, what makes you special? Why I was so attracted to you is it's thirty plus years, and you're still trying to get better. You're still fighting for these inches. That's the separator. It's like that's what that's what separates to me someone like a LeBron in his seventeenth year Bam, from somebody else. Don't you? One hundred percent. I was just going to say to you that you will you will recognize this. It is exactly like LeBron. It's exactly like your guy Tom Brady. Explain to me how people who've had that much success, that have paid that kind of price, that have all the shiny things and the view of the ocean, why are they still working as hard as they are? Because you know what? It wasn't about the shiny things. It wasn't necessarily about that money, man. It was about the right stuff. Who in their right mind is still getting up at 3.30 in the morning when they've got money that they can't get to and their kids can't get to and they can't get to because they still want it so badly? Yeah. We're, this is what I'm saying. This is why I watch you and we talk to similar people. Mm -hmm. How do you bottle this stuff? Mm -hmm. How do we get this stuff? Yeah. And, and how do I we wanna, give it to our kids? How do, right. Right. <laughs> right. How do you do that? How, and by the way, that's a whole sidebar. Yep. But when you have this, mm -hmm. Your kids aren't coming up the way you came That's up. That's right, right. So how do you I explain have a dad, that? I know. And Your kid never went to a public shower at a swimming pool, <laughs> right? right? You know the Because this old man busted his ass. Exactly. So, so how do you put that in your kid? It's, and then, by the way, if they don't want it as badly, that's fine. It's okay. That's okay. Yeah. However, just know the whole world isn't this. Yeah. It's tough out there. I do think one of the ways you do it, by the way, I have a dad from Boston too. Really? I was born in Boston and my dad and mom You were born in Boston. Boston? Yeah, and my, mom oh, and dad, my dad and mom are Boston too. But one of the things I've tried to do, and, and, I'm, and you have the same situation, your children have grown up completely different than you grew up, right? But one of the things I think is a key to that is that they have seen their old man still after it. In other words, they've linked it to the work. So many kids that get to, this is another thing, so you have a success if you have children. You know, your children may be later in life than your effort was paid, your price was paid. My kids have still seen me paying the price that's even it. after the, the money part, don't you think? Oh yeah, that's And so same great. with yours, like, I bet if I asked your, your kids, they'd be like, hey, one thing about my dad, he's a horse. This dude gets up and goes all the time. They've linked what they see you doing to the work, as opposed to maybe someone who inherited it or something. You'll, you'll get this, like my son Jake, so now he's a freshman at the University of Madison, Wisconsin, or Wisconsin-Madison, mm -hmm. and what I do on Fridays, we have a little ritual, I'll go in my backyard. It's it's probably like you, Ed, like how hard do you work just to get the five feet over there? Right. It's right. not easy, right? right? Right. And so you spent your whole life trying to get to those five feet, but I bet it's hard to get to, unless you already understand. Yep. I know I'm killing myself to get to that backyard, and it doesn't happen very often. On Friday afternoon, once I put in a long work week and I've done my workout, mm -hmm. I'll go in the backyard and I'll pour myself you know, adult beverage. And I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to my kid and I'll write, cheers. Love you, son. And you know what he says to me? Mm -hmm. Dad, you know, pops, pops, 
you earn that. I love Enjoy that. that. I love that. And I'm like, man, that, that is just so deep. Like, yeah. it, it worked. Yes. He, yes. he got it. He got it before you, he left the house. Not, not, I love you, I miss you, yeah. send money, and that may all come later on. <laughs> right. That's but what the I text say. always says, you earned I it. Love it, enjoy that. I love that. It's beautiful, That's right? beautiful. That's the key, man. That's one of the keys. One of the things you've done well that I've noticed, so you said something that is another line that I agree with, line of thinking, I mean. I had a guy on here a few weeks ago named Mark Laurie. He runs Walmart. He's had a mm. couple big exits. Successful dude. Pretty good. By the way, just at the combine for two hundred and fifty grand, he's a forty-three-year-old middle-aged white dude. For two fifty, he races Jerry Rice in the forty. How'd that go? He beat him. Yeah, man. He beat and, and Jerry. Jerry Rice. By the way, Jerry's taking care of himself. Yeah, and Jerry's in still good shape. This isn't like running against some guy who's put on thirty pounds. He beat him. It's just I guarantee he didn't want some rich guy to beat him either. Yeah, I know. But like legit, That's he beat amazing. him. He ran a, right around about five flat forty, which at that age is remarkable, you right? Bet. Anyway, one of the things he said was, I said, give me some advice for entrepreneurs. And he said, find something that already exists and just do it better. Quit mm. trying to make up some brilliant thing. Interesting. And what you've done on your show, I want, to, so I want you to talk about this for a minute. One of the separators for entrepreneurs for any business is culture. Your show with the vine, the jungle, the clones, have a take, don't suck, the way you lead the group, the way you talk to them, there's a culture to the gym room experience. Did you consciously kind of create that whole deal? Uh, not consciously, but I think it was part and parcel of what I was doing, that it was different. And I didn't know how they would react to it. Here's the funny thing, the, the real secret of the whole thing is, I just did on the radio what I was doing with my buddies in college. We mm. just talk shit. Mm -hmm. I just love sports. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way I saw the world, literally. Mm -hmm. I did not sit around with a legal pad at night and just think of, I'm gonna just make up all these terms and just like call the Knicks the bricks because they can't shoot the ball. That really was the way I saw the world. Mm. you know. And we would just talk shit. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. They might pay me to come up with this as a format. Right. So, But luckily, because, again, understand the world that I came into. Yeah. When I got my first big break, in 1990, not to date myself, that there was no, there were two sports talk radio stations in America, FAN in New York, and Extra Sports 690. In fact, when I started to apply for that station, which is a whole different story onto itself, they weren't even all sports. They were like news talk, but they had the Chargers rights, and there was a sports talk show in the afternoon. Were they the Mighty 690? Sure was. Yeah. The Mighty 690, exactly. Yeah. So there, there was there was nothing, and when they did that, there certainly was not a format like that. You had a couple of gunners that would kind of come pretty hard. But I just came at it a whole different way mm -hmm. with a vernacular mm -hmm. and the way I was kind of going after athletes and doing tough interviews, but smart. I want to make sure that I could always back up what I was saying. Like, even if you didn't agree with it, it was well-reasoned. I didn't just get in there and start running off the mouth. You're not a hot taker. You, like, really believe the things you're saying. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you might not like me at all, but this is really who I am. Now, that said, that said, I think part of your thing, it might be like, I want to talk to this guy because I think there's more to this guy than that guy who's on the radio. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's a show. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, I mean what I say and I say what I mean, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't walk any of this back except the stuff that I was factually wrong about. I mean, this is who I am, but I don't go around talking smack 24 and right, seven. It is a show. The one thing I did figure out too, be different, never give in, always keep coming, but give them a show. That much I understood early in my life. Yeah. Make it a show, it's yeah. showbiz. Anything you regret you've done? Sure. I mean, sure. I mean, sure. There. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I kind of regret calling Jim Everett Chris several times. I know mm -hmm. he was so. I, know, I regret that I didn't understand that situation better. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So, so Jim Everett. People know a lot of people know me as the guy. The quarterback attacked him. Understand this about this this incident. That was not a setup. That was not me. People think this really. Mm -hmm. What happened was there's a whole backstory to it that I've told a few times. But this guy was coming on the show, and it was it's kind of interesting how it got booked. Okay. Like I didn't, 
I didn't say go get this guy as a guest, but really? I always had a standing policy. Yes, okay. and you understand that. That's good. We have always had a standing policy, especially back in the day when I was really coming hard, mm -hmm. really coming hard, that if somebody, and I can tell you lots of stories about athletes that had an issue, and I said, if you have an issue, here I am. Here I am, come on the show, and we'll discuss this. Mm -hmm. And we'll be up, let's put them all on the table, man. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to be on the show, and I'd been pretty critical of him. Yeah. And that's, I said, good, that's fine. But I didn't know how that came to be. Mm -hmm. So I said to my booker, did you call him? And my booker said, no, he called us. I said, okay, because that's what my policy was. Mm -hmm. And then right before, like the night before, and I asked the question a few times. Now, you called him, he called us, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 Jim, he called us. Right before, my booker admits to me, I called him. I said, all right, let's get on the phone and be sure that he knows, mm -hmm. he knows. So my producer, who is an extraordinarily successful guy, my Mark, name, Mark Shapiro, mm -hmm. he ran ESPN for years. Yeah. He now yeah. Yeah. is with uh, William Morris, where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, listen, you know Rome has called you Chris Everett. Yes, we know. He's, he's talking to him. He's like, yes, I know. You know he's going to say it on the show because he would never not say to a guy's face what he said about him on the radio. Yes, I know. We know what show we're getting on. But this is not going to be the show. We really want to do this interview. There's a lot here. He's like, I know. I'm aware. And then he came on. And then I said it. And then he goes, I bet you don't do it again. And then I said it again. So one regret is I didn't need to say it again. You know, and, and, and I really, honestly, I didn't know he was that angry. It was live TV. Mm -hmm. And I didn't play That's it right. right. It, was live. it was live. It was live. Yeah. And so that was a really bad day at work for me. Mm. That was a really bad day at work was for me. Was that a career-threatening type day you for you? You bet it was. You bet it was. You bet it was. And people, people to this day say to me, it made you. It made you. I kind of take exception to that. I didn't want to be known for that. Yeah. I did not want to be known for that. Mm -hmm. I own, Look. I'm accountable. I had a bad day. Mm. That, was, that was my bad. I've apologized mm. for that a million times. I always will. Mm. I did not handle that well. Mm. Period. The backstory is pretty interesting, though, to be honest with you. I it mean, is. he knew what he was getting into. The reason I, I, I asked I think, you. I think, here's the thing, though. Somebody said to me, excuse me, somebody said, yeah. I think he was coming for you. I don't know that he was. I mm. think that he got really upset, and understandably so. I think in the moment, it, you it, bet. it came up. Of course, upset. he got upset. Right. And what's he, you'll find this even more interesting. Mm. For years, I tried to do the interview after it happened. I'm like, mm -hmm. let's get some closure. Yeah. And, and not for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. Now people want to see it just to see it. Mm -hmm. Would you believe to this day we've never spoken? Wow. I tried for years and years and years to do the interview and he always said no. Wow. And I just stopped asking after about 10 years. Well, of course, after a decade of asking. Right. Maybe he'll see this and agree to do it. Maybe. That would be awesome. Or maybe I don't want to anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big so, takeaway. You know, the reason I asked you, I wasn't going to bring the incident up. I was going to see what you answered was, that's the other thing I kind of want people to get another lesson through you, is that that could have been a career-altering day for you. It oh, certainly no, no, didn't. No, no, it, it, it was scary. Right, it, was it scary. certainly didn't make you. That's not true. What's made you is the prolific culture you've created and your relentless work ethic over time. That's what's made you. Your preparation, the way you interact with the athletes, your ability to articulate. However, it's a great lesson. It's a great lesson because I look at a guy like our mutual buddy, A-Rod's a good buddy. And I look at A-Rod, you know, three, four years ago, he was a pariah, right? Like nobody in the world would it's touch him. And he's remade himself into this, like, he's the ESP, face of ESPN baseball. He's, he's revered again, right? And so the reason why that's important is for everybody, a lot of us have this one mistake in our life. It could be a divorce, a bankruptcy, and we shame ourselves the rest of our life. Like, okay, I don't, I can't win again because I've made this one particular error in our career. You're proof of that, whether it was an error or not on air, it was one of the most 
shocking sports interview moments in the history of I, sports interviews. I, mean, I don't want to give myself too much credit. It was one of the most shocking moments on TV. Ever. In a long time. Yeah. Ever, yeah. ever. Yeah. ever. And I will tell you one more thing, too. I don't know if you know this, but yeah. it's a little cheesy, but I think it is apropos. Yeah. The LA Times did a piece shortly thereafter, and the title of the article was, Is This the End of the Roman Empire? Whoa. I put it on my mirror. I looked at it every day for a year. I saw it every morning when I shaved. I saw it every morning when I got out. Like they're, they're, they're speculating that my career is over before it starts. And so it's one thing to pump yourself up with don't give in, don't quit. Yeah, easy to say all that until adversity hits. Adversity hit. And you know, the world was different then. I mean, yeah. there, there was no social media then, mm -hmm. which would have made it tougher, but I'll tell you what there was. There was Saturday Night Live, Katie Couric talking shit about me. They, yeah. they were killing me on Saturday Night really? Live. Yeah. And so people like now say, yeah, well, that's, that's awesome. And it's not awesome when mm. you're in it and you think that maybe you're not getting contracts renewed. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, when people don't know you, you're going to restaurants and everybody knows you and it's for the wrong, wrong reason. reason. Because it was one bad night. And let, let that be a lesson. You know, one, one bad decision mm. could impact the rest of your life. Yeah. During those moments, um, I'm curious about Janet. Yeah. So I've been married once. And uh, she's had my back through a bunch of different ups and downs. You talk about Janet on the show, but I think she's only been on the show like one time. One right? time. Yeah, we both are. Um, both also have this thing where we're real private with our families. We're not doing a lot of posts and pictures right. and things like that. I'm protective of that too. But if you don't mind talking about it, because I, I just think it's she's been such an important part of your life. How important has Janet been through moments like that in your career? Or are you just like, do you do your thing and she does her thing? No, 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 she's definitely right in the middle of that whole thing because we, we met through the business. The funny thing about Janet, when I met Janet, she was way more successful at this business than I was. Yeah. She was a vice president of the corporation that owned the Mighty 690. Okay. Janet heard me and tried to fire me right away. So Janet's a vice president of That's human awesome. resources. And the funny thing about, because the corporate office was in San Diego where the station was, but they owned several stations nationwide, they all had a vote at the mm. conference table about programming. I always thought that was kind of weird that why is accounting voting on programming? Why is human resources yeah. voting on programming? Yeah. Because they could, I guess, and they <laughs> did. Because I did this differently than anybody else had, mm -hmm. they had never heard anything like that before. Yep. So Janet grows up in Long Beach. She's a huge Dodger fan. And I get on the radio and I said, let me tell you about Fernando Valenzuela. Man, that old man will be on food stamps by the end of the week. <laughs> and she, was, she literally was mortified. This is a church-going girl who grew up loving the Dodgers. And she, she was mortified. She's like, I don't know who the new guy is. I don't know where he came from. I move that we fire him right now. Really? So I married her ultimately. You know? <laughs> That's but, awesome. But, but the, the, the moral of that story is she was doing way better than me, making mm -hmm. a lot more money, way more successful. And she saw me before any of this happened. Mm -hmm. And so we, I kind of schooled her and my friends and family that when I came up and people who liked me loved me and people who didn't like me hated my guts mm -hmm. and said things that were not nice, in mm -hmm. some cases horrible and didn't know me and family and friends get really upset. I'm like, listen, this is part of it. This is what we signed up for. So you need to understand, you cannot react to this. Mm -hmm. You can't fight everybody who says something. Yeah, but they don't know you. Well, you can't control that. Right. So she knows that. So when, when it hit the fan, mm -hmm. she was there, she was fine. That's awesome, man. You've had a great partner all these years, which led you into, I just wanna talk about this for a little bit because I think it's a really weird part of your story. Like somehow this sports guy was in all these other sports and I knew enough about you. We had no interest in horse business before. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, you're like, and by the way, like anything you've done, like you didn't just do it a little bit. I mean, eventually you got into like, you're pretty deep. 
Yeah, so, I, was really, I was really deep, and that, I had no interest in that either. So no was, interest in that. So there's a guy named Billy Koch, and Billy Koch okay. actually was a college baseball player at Northwestern okay. and a Beverly Hills kid, and he was in this. He had a racing syndicate. So what he would do is he would go out and he'd find people, and they'd invest, and they'd buy pieces of a horse. And he saw me in Del Mar and said, hey, hey, I, and he knew me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. I'm like, no, I won't. No, I won't. I have no interest. I have no interest. Why would I want to do that? I want to go to Del Mar. I want to watch the races. I'll put on a suit, have a few pops, yeah. and I'll do that once or twice a summer, and I'm good. He's like, no, no, you'll love it. You'll love it. Love it. I didn't want to do it. Janet says to me one night, you know, you really should, we should do this. I said, do what? She said, buy a horse. I'm like, why would I do that? You need a hobby. You need a hobby. We bought 10% of a horse. I go to Santa Anita. The horse is Argentinian bred. They bring him in. He runs. And I was naive. I thought, I'm a sports talk show host. Man, I know everything. I didn't know that much about horse racing. I really didn't. Running styles, strategies. Mm-hmm. I buy 10% of the horse. The horse is running dead last. I'm like, I must be the biggest sucker ever. There must be like easy mark on my forehead. I'm like, putting, I'm trying to put a stop on the check in the middle of the race, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> the horse comes from dead last to win the race in the most exciting fashion ever. And I've told this story. It's like somebody rolled up behind me and, and, and injected me with equine crack. So awesome. I look at this guy, I'm like, dude, you got anything else you can sell me? What else do you have for sale? And I, and I couldn't stop. It felt so amazing, you know? So then I'm all in and some of the best and worst days of my life have been at the track. But you went up to like 14 horses or something, yeah. right? And then yeah. you get to misdirection and you're talking about a horse that's like multiple victories at the Breeders' Cup. Like, so, so yeah, yeah the, so the really short version is, so Janet's like, hey, how much money have we lost, by the way, doing this? I'm like, a lot. She's like, maybe we should stop. I'm like, you told me to get a hobby. She goes, I didn't tell you to get one that expensive. Yeah. I said, here's the thing. One more time. There's this horse named Ms. Direction. She's like, Jimmy, stop. Mm-hmm. I'm like, listen to me. Uh, this horse won its, its maiden race by nine and a half lengths. We've never been anywhere near an animal like this. Mm-hmm. I want to take one more shot. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Ms. Direction literally saved my horse racing life because up until then, that was the, the last shot. And then I bought in. They made us the majority owner. We ran in our silks. And she won two Breeders' Cup races against the boys. Which was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I've never experienced anything in business that felt like that first win that she had. It was the most surreal moment of my life that did not involve the things that matter. So that was the high, the lowest shared belief, right? So, the lowest shared belief. Yeah, just tell them about that. Just so share second. belief was a, so we sold Ms. Direction at auction because we wanted to retire her, give her the right life. Share belief is a horse that we bought that we thought we'd have some fun with. He was a gelding, okay? So you cannot, if they're gelded, they've got no residual value. You cannot breed them. That's why he was for sale. And we bought the horse, and the horse was unbelievable. We had no idea. He went from a horse that we thought we'd have fun with to the top-ranked thoroughbred in the world. He was the number one-ranked horse in the world. Mm. He beat California Chrome. He won the award for the two-year-old male of the year. He won the Pacific Class in Del Mar, which is the biggest race here, I think. Mm-hmm. The San Diego Handicap. Jeez. I mean, I'm an unbelievable athlete, Ed. Mm. Unbelievable. And then he comes down with colic. I get this phone call one morning during my radio show from my race manager, Alex Solis, who says, Jim, the big horse has colic. Mm. And I said, oh my God, Mm. how bad is that? He goes, they're rushing him to Davis Medical Center. He may not make it. Keep in mind, the horse is four. The horse has lived to be in their 20s. And he was like larger than life. And the horse passed away, you know? and I'm still not over it. Like, it's like anything in life, right? Yeah. Really bad things happen. You hope to get beyond it, but some things you don't really ever get over. Mm-hmm. So it's like also in sports, the lows are much more intense than the highs okay. are high. Yeah. So as good as it was that Misdirection won the Breeders' Cup twice, the intensity of losing shared belief like that, I think will far outweigh everything. I can see it on your face. 
Yeah, it's hard, even, man. Even now. Like, yeah, I, I said to my, I told the story, maybe you've seen the video I did, but I said to my 10-year-old at the time, Logan, was at my office crying, my desk at work. I had this whole thing, man, don't you ever cry at work. Don't cry, I don't care how bad your work day is. You, you don't cry, <laughs> cry at work. work. Unless you get a phone call with some really bad news, mm-hmm. you don't cry at work. And my 10-year-old goes, Dad, I've never seen you cry. I said, because I don't very much, but man, I love that animal. Oh man, I'm so yeah, sorry. Man, I about love that, that animal. You, but the whole reason you did it, I want to get into like your mind a little bit. So, or you, I'm like be real. I mean, I know you've been real, sure. but like be real. You needed a hobby. That, that sounds like something my wife would say. And one of the things that I've always struggled with, and I just want people that are like this, maybe you're this way, maybe you're not. I'm not, as much as I relate really well with people, I'm not like one of the guys. Do you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you like mean. Like my, because um, I think this is a, a model or a personality trait that I see in a lot of people that are successful that surprises people. But like my social circle is not as big as most people would think. Like right. as many people as you and I both know, like who I really spend time with is surprising. You're I'm shaking my head because right. I totally know exactly where you're going with that. Yeah. So what is your, what is that like for you? Like is your social circle really as big as most people would think? Are you, or like what are you like socially and What's your kind of, are you, are you a dude who's like kind of playing grab ass with dudes all the time or are you typically no, more serious? No, no, I, I've got like four guys. Yeah. Like I, I got friends, I have mm-hmm. associates, mm-hmm. but I've got three or four dudes. Like I don't, I used to be a big Bombay Sapphire guy. Mm-hmm. So we had a Bombay club because who drinks gin? Only old men, old lawyers <laughs> right. and me until I didn't. But I, but I had a crew, I got some guys mm-hmm. and, and I don't want the guys, I'm not doing this in any order of importance. Yeah. But my guys are guys like Rob Guthrie, Mike Treasel, Matt Coleman. Mm. You know, I just have a crew. Yeah. And, and we used to be almost fanatical about once a quarter. No matter where we are, we drop everything and we go out and we hit it pretty hard responsibly. Yep. And, it, you know, as you get older, it's tougher because yep. everybody has lives and kids. Mm. But no, I'm not. I, my job was my thing. Yeah. My career was my career and family, career and family, career That's and what family, it seems like. family and career, mm-hmm. family and career. I didn't need all that other stuff. Yeah. And if I had to blow off some steam, I'd blow off some steam and then get right back to the grind. So mm-hmm. when you say to me that you have a tight knit circle of the people who matter most mm-hmm. to you that you want to hang out with, yep. I understand that. I really believe what you said. Like I take to heart that I think you have some unbelievable gifts and talents, but I, I know from being around you now, like this man's made it cause he's a crazy competitor. He evolves, he works his ass off. And he flat out wants it probably more than most people, right? And I feel like I'm kind of in that boat in my own unique way too. Like I know I don't have a super high IQ. You know, I'm not six foot three. I'm not super gifted in any particular area. Yeah, but Ed, you can bench the house though. No, I can't bench the house. You know what I, they put, I had Mike O'Hearn on here, if you know who that is. That dude can bench the house. Like, but comparatively speaking, but I, but I do like, I really want to win. Yeah. Like I really want to be somebody. I connect with athletes. I why, with- why do you think that is? Like, what, here, here's the thing. I always, always ask guys like this: yeah. nature or nurture? Are you wired for it, or are you a product of your culture? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? What do you think? For you? What do you think? For you? I, I think. Okay, for me. Yeah. For me, You're, this is the ultimate question of all questions, right here. Because I have an upper middle class upbringing. Me too. Okay, I did not. I did not come up the hard way. Me either. I lived in a gated neighborhood. Mm, okay, I didn't quite go there, but same close. I mean, I wasn't. You know, my parents were not wealthy, but they worked hard mm-hmm. and they had a business mm-hmm. and they did well. I'll be honest with you, me personally, because my, even my old man, my dad, he he passed away when he was fifty nine. He had leukemia, and this is amazing to me. Really, just sidebar, really quickly, he was fine with it. 
Like, it's a strange thing. Like, he, this Boston guy, he's diagnosed with cancer at 50, and he and my mother don't tell anybody. They don't tell anybody. They pull, yes, just, just us, though. Okay. My sister and I. And they say to us, we're not telling anybody. I'm like, Are you, what? You just told me you have leukemia and you're not telling anybody. He didn't tell his mother. They didn't tell anybody in business. They're like, this is how we're handling it. If you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it all day, every day, but we're not talking about outside these doors. I thought that was unbelievable. Oh, that is unbelievable. And then, and then when it's, it gets into his brain and it's terminal, he has brain surgery, he's fine. He's fine. He's at peace. He's like, man, I had an amazing life. I've got these incredible kids. He didn't, you know? He's like, I, have this, I never thought I'd be good in business. I am. Like, he was fine. He had this peace of mind. But we had this one talk. Back to your question. He's like, you got to relax. I'm like, what do you mean I got to relax? He's like, I don't know where you got your drive from. You didn't get it from me. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, Dad. You've had a pretty good run. He's like, you didn't get it from me. So to answer your question, where did it come from? I don't know, man. I, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was because I was a dorky kid. Maybe... I don't know, but I wanted it. Yeah. I wanted it and I was able to feed it and tap into it. Yep. And I and you still do though. That's the crazy part. You still do. Like I can feel you. Like I think you're as hungry like this minute after Hall of Fame, 30 years, millions of dollars in income, live a great life. Part, I feel like you're part just of it as is hungry. game recognizes game. I think mm -hmm. I'm kind of in the element, but mm -hmm. but no, I mean I still it gets me up in the morning still yet. Yeah. And you got to answer your question now. Where, where did yours come from? I think it's a great question. I think it's probably similar to yours. My dad, here's what I got from my dad. Maybe you did. I did model like a work ethic from my old right. man, like, and a decency from my parents that they're, they treat people well. There's a, like, I think I picked up some of that. I hope like I, but my dad never had ambition. My dad's told me many times, I just wanted to work and provide for the family. I wanted a good life. Like what the hell happened to you? My right. dad and I have this conversation all the time. I bet. And, and it sort of shocks him. I don't even think they saw, I think they knew they wanted me to be successful, but I'm not sure they thought whatever happened happened. I think that- So what happened? I don't know. I think some of it was that I was an undersized athlete, stuff like that too. But again, I think it's probably more nature because I'll just, I, four siblings grew up in my household. We're very different people. Same stimulus, same family, same parents, right. and I'm different. I'm always fascinated by that. I am too. And, but I think that the people that have that psycho streak, that have that I want to be somebody thing, need to know that it's great. Like I, my dad says that to me too. You need to chill. Like, hey, when's enough enough? And hey, even this morning we're talking about some deal I'm doing. He's like, you know put the pressure off yourself a little bit. Cause I think as a parent, you want them to be okay. Right. I don't know that that's, maybe it's good that he dials me in once in a while that someone does that, but I wouldn't recommend that to somebody. Like if I'm not in pursuit of something, I'm miserable. I tried for like a half a year to like go golf and sit on the beach and I just, it's not what makes me happy. Yeah, but you enjoy this though, right? I do. I, I think it'd be a real mistake to hit it. And it took me a long time to figure this out. I mean, you have all these things that you work so hard for but you just keep grinding and grinding and grinding and then it got it got away. Right. You didn't take that minute. Yeah. I, I'm not saying dial it down. I'm not saying downshift. I'm saying this is the best view I've ever seen. Hopefully you get your ass out on that deck <laughs> and you have you have some of that tequila once in a while. I mean, you have to do it, right? We, we both had a little before we started today. I, so I didn't, well, maybe a little. You had a sip, but yeah, I, I had a lot. I had a little bit. I do do that. I think that's one of the things that maybe you're right. Maybe one of the things, you're, you're pointing out something out to me. Maybe. Maybe I need to show that side of me a little bit more. The people go, I want to be like that. Like, I want to have some fun doing it too. Or, or not even show yourself, just do it. Yeah, do just it. Just do it, man. Just yeah. do it. Like, I'm not saying, you don't ever, ever compromise who you are and what you do because you're right. What are you going to do? You're not going to be happy. Yeah. You're not going to be happy. What are you going to do? 
I did not not get up in the morning and work out, not get up and go to work. Right. You know, one day, maybe. It's same with you. So what does that look like for you? So you're what, 55? I am. You look young. Mm, That's because you've kept yourself fit and I think you've liked what you were doing. But if you were to look forward, and I, we sat back down in 10 years doing max out old man edition, me and yeah. you, yeah, yeah. right? Maxed out, or maybe we're still maxing out then. If you were to look at it, if you peer into the future a little bit, what, what do you think it's probably going to I want to like hit you? this thing. I want to max out mm. and hit this thing as hard as I possibly can and then go out like any athlete on my own terms. Mm. But, I, but I really feel it. I mean, look at some guys like, you know, look at Pete Carroll. He's operating at a really high age. Belichick. And Belichick. These are not young guys. Not Trump and Sanders are in their 70s. I mean, whether you like either dude, look at their age or Biden, right? Do you remember he was like, I can remember, I hate to say this, but and by the way, it really pisses me off. I get shit in the mail all the time, like AARP stuff. I'm like, why are you sending that to me? <laughs> why, why, why you, I, I don't need these senior dating bullshit. Like, why is this coming to me? And then I remember I'm 55, you know? You know I, why? I take great offense to that, you know? No, but, but you know why? I'm going to tell you why. And your dad was sick at that age. My dad's sick now. Let's just be real. We're, we're, we look a little bit different at 55 and 50 oh, years yeah. old than I, our dads did, right? I was going right? to say that. Like, yeah. I remember coming up, like, when my grandmother was 65, I'm like, man, I'm, she's on the clock. I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I love Dory, but 65 is old, yo. And I'm like, wait a minute. It, it's not that old. <laughs> right, and right. it's right around the corner. But, you know, I, I think the world is different. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say something she's like 50s, new 40. Right. But because if you take care of yourself and you put the right things in your body and you yeah. put the right things in your mind and you care and you work it and you're disciplined, who's to say you and I can't max out mm-hmm. It's 65. I don't need to be talking shit and smack at 85, right. but there's no reason for me to stop at 55. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still motivated by the game yeah. and the puzzle. I still want to win. Mm-hmm. I still want to be successful. And, and and by the way, I still want to have, I want to make an example for the kids. Going mm-hmm. way back to what you said. Yep. You know, my kids came to me for that Radio Hall of Fame ceremony. They, they don't know me like that. You know, they don't. They, yeah, dad does a little radio thing and TV thing. Really? But it was kind of neat. Yeah, they know, but they don't. They're proud, but they don't care if that makes sense. Yeah, I do. They're I not caught up. Sense. They got their own deal. Yeah, you know? I relate to that. But the fact that I got on a plane and went to New York and they saw me and there were other luminaries there and it was, it was fun. It was neat. And I, and I like that they see that I'm grinding still. Yeah. The humility is real, isn't it? Like you really, it hasn't really dawned on you what you've achieved, it seems to me. I, I think I kind of understand what I've achieved, but the best thing, you know, because I hear the other things. I hear, hey man, you suck. I want to fight you. But the best thing that I hear, I'm really proud of this. Mm. Like the people who know, the people who knew me, us way back when are like, dude, he really hasn't changed. Mm. Because I always knew that, I always knew it could go away in a second. Yeah. I knew it. And, and by the way, it could still go away in a second. And I'm not being humble when I say this. Once it does, Ed, they will move on to the next thing and I will yeah. be forgotten in 30 seconds. I really do believe that, mm-hmm. which is why I keep battling. And there are people depending on me. I've got people on my staff that, you know, it's hard, man. Mm-hmm. Life's hard. You gotta earn that paycheck every day. Is there an athlete, just curious, and then two more things. Is there an athlete that stood out all these years that you've covered, that you've talked to, that, I mean, God, you've talked to everybody. Yeah. Is there anybody in particular that you went, that was mind-blowing who that dude or that woman was, anybody? That's really interesting. Um, you know, for so long, a lot of athletes, <laughs> one of my favorite guys ever, 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 is Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is when I got into the business, way back in the day, I did a TV show with another guy by the name of Wallace Matthews, who was a really prominent boxing columnist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I knew him from boxing. Yeah. And Wally and I had a show 
for Fox Sports Net, where he was, it was way, behead, way ahead of its time, actually. Mm-hmm. He was in New York, I was in LA, and we would have a point-counterpoint. Long before there was any of this debate stuff, he and I were doing it. Mm-hmm. And one day, he was covering the Knicks, and Charles was still playing. And he was menacing, man. Charles was a scary guy back then. And he sees Wallace, he's like, oh, look who's here, look who's here. Where's your partner, the village idiot? And man, that, ooh, that was red meat for me because I was really in my element. I'm like, village idiot, huh? I'm on the air every day. Just killing Chuck, killing Chuck, killing Chuck, killing Chuck. And it's getting worse and worse. And I go to Vegas one time. I'm with a buddy of mine, Don McClain, mm-hmm. who was an NBA at the time. UCLA. And he's UCLA. And Don says to me, you know who we're going to see? I said, who? He goes, Chuckles. I go, Don. I mean, honestly, that's the last guy we want to see. It's going to go really badly if we see him. He goes, well, believe me, you, we're going to see him. He's always in Vegas. We get on, we leave the airport. We go right to this famous Italian restaurant called, it's one of those 55-year-old AARP moments. With all the pictures on the wall. Yes. I've been there. I know the place you're talking so, about. So Freddie Glessman's place is mm-hmm. called, yeah. we'll look it up. Yep. And I'm, I'm not kidding. We're not there five minutes. And I hear this guy go, D-Mac. And I swing around and there's Chuck. I mean, it was like right on cue, it was, it was eerie. And I was, again, younger, mm. probably had a couple in me. And I jump up and I'm like, for some reason I think in my head, I better stand my ground right now. I'm like, hey man, let me tell you where you and I went wrong. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, M Bleeper, I'll tell you where you and I went wrong. We have a couple of terse moments. And then he looks at me and he goes, you know what, man? He goes, your boys with DMAC, you're good with me. Crystal all around. <laughs> Changed in a minute. And we were golden ever since. That's He's awesome. like one of the well, first, one awesome. of the best lessons I ever learned in the business. When you ask me whoever stuck out, some of the we don't know any of these guys. Yeah. We do not know any Wait, what from Instagram, right. from interviews. Right. Some of the guys who you think are the best guys are really the, the worst guys. Yeah. And some of the worst guys are the best guys. And Charles was like the scariest, most like now he's like fun loving, everybody right. loves him. Not he was there. menacing them. Yeah. We were fine ever since. That's he was, awesome. He is story. one of the greatest guys ever that's awesome ever story brother. so when you talk about sports and athletes he, he is one of my favorite that is guys. a great friend. i'm so glad i asked you that all right last question and then we're gonna we'll find out where to find you too i want advice to people so let's take someone back it's remarkable let's just think about it this guy kind of struggles in radio comes out of college it's his dream flakes out goes to work for his dad that doesn't work out. Goes into sales. That doesn't work out. If I just said the day that dad fired you that you're going to be in the Radio Hall of Fame someday and have a three, four decade long career and honestly be the most successful person at what you do in its history, that's kind of crazy, right? So there are people watching this who are at that stage though. Maybe it's metaphorically, but they're where you were with dad. Like they pursued the dream, it didn't quite work, they pursued their business, and then bankruptcy, divorce, something's hit, man. It just didn't fly, it didn't connect, and maybe they were starting to kind of let go of the rope. You know what I mean? Like, let's just give in. Metaphorically, I'm gonna throw the jersey on my back and I'm just gonna watch the rest of my life go away. What would you say to that person who's in that position right now? I can only go by what I've experienced and what I know, and I wanna be very careful about this. Like I said to my own son, you cannot run my playbook. Like he, he wants to be in journalism. He's more of a political guy than a sports guy, but I'm like, cause he's heard all my stories. The ones I've told you today. I said, you can't just run that same playbook and think you have the same results. But I think the universal laws still exist. You know, if you were reading Napoleon Hill, when you got in, he wrote that book in 1902 or whatever it was, and it still resonates, you know, not to be cheesy, but I really think well, what else is there? 
You should ask yourself, why you? How are you different? What do you have to bring to it? And until you can really answer that question, I don't think you will have a shot. And even then there's no guarantee, but I really do think that you do have to want it worse, create better habits, follow these rituals and do them consistently. There are no days off. And if you want it badly enough, you will outlast a lot of people. Mm. But it can't be lip service and it can't be BS and you can't only do it when you feel like doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta work through all this shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you want it badly enough, it won't feel like you're working through shit. It'll feel like this is what you do and who you are. Ooh. Yeah, very good. I 10 million percent agree, especially with the end there about who you are. I just fundamentally believe that. This, uh, I knew today would be like really, really good but it like dramatically exceeded my expectations. You're making a mistake, brother, if you don't expand a little bit and talk about these things a little bit more regularly somewhere. Huh. I, just, I, just, I just believe that. I just think that it's, I told you off camera, what you've achieved is so remarkable and the fact that you are self-aware of what the things were that made you get there makes you very unique and I think you'd be cheating the world if you don't do, express some of this a little bit you know, more. Given, given when, and I know that Tony Robbins hit you up and said, hey, you gotta do this. Whether you yeah. want to or not, you need to do this. Yeah. And I've been watching how quickly you put this thing together, Ed. So to hear that from you is, it's really heartwarming and it's, it, that, that motivates me. I've always had in the back of my mind that eh, they probably don't really care. They do. Hell, they may not even care what I have to say about sports. I know they don't care what I have to say about <laughs> life. But, but it, it's been a pretty neat run and it's been a great life. And it's fun, man. This was an absolute blast. Brother, you I've wanted to meet you for a long time. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, we're going to know each other a long time. Yeah, I yeah. can tell. We're going to be in each People other's circle. People have said that and they lost my number, so I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I won't lose your number, brother. Okay. By the way, I don't want them to lose you either. So before we leave, where can they find you? Like everybody else, I'm at Jim Rome okay. on Twitter, on Instagram, CBS Sports Radio, CBS Sports Network. NFL and CBS multiple times a year and just grinding away just doing it yeah and if you're a sports fan the most entertaining informative show that's ever existed and that's why I'm such a fan that's why I know so much about it because I listen and then I watch you on TV too Jim thanks so, so much Ed, bro I really appreciate it. you that's so fun it. Ed it was thank so you good. it was a blast hey everybody I bring you the best in the world I do it every single week and all I want to do with you is connect deeper I want to know who you want on here and so every day on Instagram or on the max out two minute drill to engage with you. I also want to reward you. So when I make a post on Instagram at 7.30 Pacific time, 10.30 Eastern every day, make a comment. Every day I pick a winner out of the comments in there. And you can qualify three ways. Make a comment, comment on other people's comments. And if you miss the first two minutes, just make a comment every day. At the end of the week, we add up who commented every day and pick winners. You get to go to events that I speak at, coaching calls with me, gear, max out gear. A few people just flew on the old jet with me. That was cool. Whatever I can do for you to connect with you. So. Run the Max Out Two Minute Drill with me every day. God bless y'all and Max Out. This is the Ed Milet Show.